Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to this very special episode of Ongaku to You. This has been our long overdue, and we hope everyone is excited for the big return of our artist spotlight special. It's been uh, quite a while since we've done this, and I'm your host, Gray. I'm going to be taking the reins tonight for this particular episode. As uh, the group that we're going to be talking about has really grown to mean a lot to me in my life, and it's um, the pop group AAA. Uh, with me, I have Luna. Hello, everyone. And we have the guy who's usually doing the hosting, Ken. Hello. So wait, we're we're not talking about color creation today. Oh man, I not think today. I did the wrong group. I think I did well, the wrong group. <laughs> well, well, when well, if you find that group, let me know so I can join them. I, I can go in there unprepared. I am, after all, the sixth member of Color Creation. <laughs> it's in my name. We're talking about LOL today. <laughs> We're not talking about Bish, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, uh, we have a super big episode planned. And uh, because of its size, it's just best to jump right in there. So we're going to go ahead and really get started. So, yeah, we are talking about AAA. And AAA is an acronym I don't know how many people know that, and it's it's really interesting. It's it's kind of English in a way. It's a attack all around, and I think in English it would be all around attack, but it works uh, the way that they have it. And they started out with eight members. So AAA debuted in September of two thousand five, and the group was formed through Avex's auditions and consisted of five guys and three girls it, from at the conception of the group it was supposed to only be six members who are takahiro nishijima naoya urata shuta sueyoshi shinjiro atea and mitsuhiro hidika were the guys and then misako uno hidaka. was the only girl Thank you. Thank you. Mitsuhiro Hidaka. Thank you, Luna. Thank you. Uh, that that wrapped up the guys, and Misako Uno is the only girl of the group at conception. And then Avex decided they wanted to add two more girls to the mix to balance things out. So you have Yukari Goto and Chiaki Ito, who officially joined the group. And that is the original creation of AAA. And all eight members uh, trained in the AVEX Art uh, Artist Academy, which is the official training facility for AVEX. And uh, fun fact, their 
their songs Blood on Fire and First Party was originally written with the original six members in mind. So the so Yukari and Chiaki don't actually have parts in those songs and you can only hear them like basically in the background. So in 2005 of April, AVEX made the official announcement of their debut with all the members being there except Chiaki. She doesn't come on quite yet. And at the announcement, it was also revealed that Nalia would be acting as the leader for the group because a lot of the big pop groups, stuff like that, they have a leader. And and so Nalia was the leader that they chose to for the group. And they began officially activities in May and Chiaki officially joined the group in June. So just basically the next month. And AAA made their major debut on September 14th of 2015 with their song Blood on Fire, which was being used as a theme song for the live action initial D movie. And Ken, I know you're a moderate fan of initial D. So uh, how did you how do you think Blood on Fire worked as like the opening for that movie? You know, I was thinking about it because I have both versions of the movie both in english and in chinese if this is the live action initial d movie we're thinking of yes and it, it must be only in the japanese version because they don't have the song in oh that's in the original movie so i'm i'm like thinking to myself yeah no i've watched this movie a bunch of times i have the movie the movie is an amazing movie edison chun is in it and we might talk about him later on and yes. He, there, there was no Japanese song. I'm. It's, it's funny to think about it that way because that that movie is an amalgamation because Anna Suzuki's in that movie. She's the only Japanese person in that movie, but they dubbed her in Chinese, and it's just funny because all the other people <laughs> they they understand Japanese, like Edison Chun and Jay Cho. They understand Japanese to a certain point, but. The, the fact that they have a Japanese person, she's speaking Japanese because of how the lips movements are. Yeah. But they dubbed her in Chinese the entire movie, so it's just <laughs> Alright. <laughs> it's it's funny. After like sitting down and listening to Butt on Fire, I can understand why they tried to use it as an initial D song, but it must be only for the Japanese releases. Uh, okay, that is very interesting. And back in those days, it was very common for the Japanese to have like a theme song, and then when they imported it, they would swap it out for another song too. It's very, very common practice back in the day. That's so that still does quite make common sense. today. That's true too. It's very true too. So, but yeah, um, moving on. Uh, in two thousand five, Triple uh, A would go on to receive best new. Uh, comer award at the 47th japan record awards the group would also go on to release a brand new single each month from september to december so busy time for for the group and then on january 1st of 2006 they released their debut album titled attack which debuted at number 11. <laughs> but it did stay on the chart for 16 weeks straight, which is really good. And Attack is a very interesting album for a debut album. What are some of our thoughts about their first album, Attack? 
So my thoughts on this is it's very interesting, I will say. And the reason I say that is they don't really know who they are yet. And you can hear that in their album very, how do I say it, uh, throughout the whole album as they do some electronica, some more rock type tracks. I mean, they switch between all these different styles and you can tell at the time they're still trying to figure out who they are. So for as a whole album, it's interesting and a little odd listening to it all together in one go. When you pull out individual songs from it, I think it, you know, that works. But the album as a whole, it's it's odd. You know, you go from, song, you know, you hear songs like Dea no Chikara and ones like Blood on Fire. You know, you can hear the differences in some of these and it's interesting. Yeah, like going on that, I think this is the first kind of perfect album that you can do. Mostly because you're trying to see what works. And you're trying all these different styles, which... You know, you can kind of tell by listening to Dei no Chikara, this is the type of style they ended up conforming to eventually. But it's interesting to see them try to do various amount of styles, trying to figure out who they are, what is kind of working. And in my point of view, that's the best kind of thing you can do for an album because you're just starting out. You're not, it's not like now where pretty much if you're behind the hype machine, you're always going to make the hit. And you usually just go into whatever style you ended up being. This is kind of that still that infant age of the industries where anything can kind of happen. And I kind of like that. But it is somewhat all over the place because of that. But I'm not going to fault them because this is their debut album. They want to see what works, what doesn't work. And I kind of like seeing that. Yeah, this album is very much, I agree with uh, Luna and Ken, this is very much the shotgun approach, as they like to say, or throwing spaghetti on the wall. What sticks, you know? And it's fun. And I kind of like, sometimes it's nice to have an album that's a little all over the place because they're experimenting a little bit. And you get that wide range, right? You get that display. This is them proving themselves in a, in a lot of ways. Because not only are they trying to establish what would be their style and their shtick, essentially. But they're also trying to prove themselves. They're trying to prove what they can and can't handle. They're trying to show their boundary limits. So they're really going to be pushing it in the first couple of albums. Like, the, like you'll see this kind of idea persist for the next two or three albums as a whole. And they, they do eventually, as Ken said, fine-tune it. I do think, like, D.I. no Chikara definitely kind of basically becomes what is ultimately going to be their style. But they, they, they play around with a, a, a little bit of stuff. And there, there's like some fantastic songs in this. I know this was the first album I ever heard of by the group. I was I was going to be reviewing it and that wound up not happening. But I have listened to this album 92 times, it seems like. And this is this is the album like as a whole I'm, I'm actually the most comfortable with uh, talking about because I've just listened to it so much. And it, it is a it is fun and it, it's interesting. To see, I like that experimental stage, them trying to push themselves to see what they have because, you know, later on they kind of get in a, they, they, they kind of get in a rut a little bit. And so, 
it's nice to see like the early stages of them trying to play around with this and you know blood on fire is a good song dragon fire another good song friday party is pretty fun kile nosora is a pretty fun song so you know they have some pretty solid songs on the first album as a whole and you know i I think it's pretty good for a first outing definitely stretching their boundary limits so moving on in june of 2006 triple a launched their official fan club which is called triple a party and Fun fact, I, I didn't know this until I was doing research for this. Uh, Misako Uno actually plays Miyuki in the 2006 movie, The Grudge 2, which, Luna, I, I think you're there with me because I know you're a horror fan. I It's been forever since I've seen this movie, so I, I couldn't tell you anything about the character Misako plays in this movie as a whole, but The Grudge 2 just... I, I don't think it was a really a good movie. Uh, the first one's okay. But the second one I didn't think was too great. And No, it wasn't. It was yeah. not very good. I remember bits and pieces of it, I think, after they kill off my favorite character, which is like 10 minutes into the film. That's when I'm like, well, that was brilliant. You know, because yeah. it takes a downturn for the worse from there, unfortunately. And... I just thought it lacked a lot of momentum the first one had. And I enjoyed the first one, both the original and the remake. I did like the Japanese of Juon 2. But the Grudge 2, I rem- I slightly remember who Miyuki was. However, it's been years and years since I've actually watched it. I saw it in theaters when it came out. And I also yeah. got it on DVD. Or had it on DVD. I sold it. It was. I don't know why I bought it in the first place. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, I saw. I saw it in theaters with you, and I. I just. I like. I remember there being Japanese people in the movie because it takes place in Japan. But other than that, like, I could not tell you like any characters or anything. The whole well, reason I showed up to watch it, like you said, was killed off in the first Sarah ten Michelle minutes Gellar. of the movie. Oh God, I love that woman. Uh, oh, she's still. Oh, in my eyes, she will always be Buffy. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think from what I recall of the movie, I thought the Japanese cast was fantastic. I think the lacking of it was mainly the script and the story. It was very rehashed from the first one, and that was the issue with it. I don't think performance wise, I don't recall there being much of an issue. It was really just the script writing and the story that did it for me so i i would say i would think misako uno did a great job in from what i remember however don't quote me on that because i probably should give it a revisit but i might drag my feet on that one for a little while longer i remember which character she was she was the one that got killed in the love hotel oh that brought back some memories there (laughs) As soon as you said was, Love Hotel. I was like, I swear to God, I saw this movie. And I, I, I got to the point where Edison Chun gets dragged into the photo. And then I was like, I lost interest. But I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she was in a good, she was in like the first like 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yep. She didn't last very long. And I know no. I also liked Edison Chun. But 
Yeah, no, no. Th- th- thank you, Ken, for clearing that up for us. Because I, I was like, man, it's it's just been too long. I was like, I know I've seen this movie, but I couldn't tell you what happened in it. But yeah, uh, moving on. So the next big thing that really happened is a year to the day that Triple A dropped their first album. They dropped their second album. So on January first of 2007 they released their second album is titled all and you should notice a pattern established with this with the first two albums and this album is entirely composed of previously released singles except for three songs that were new to the album and what are some of our thoughts and opinions on the album all so i actually like this one a little bit better than attack i think because they started to go in a certain direction however you can tell they still were experimenting with who they wanted to be so it was a little bit all over the place however i think you get used to that feeling and you don't mind it too much i do like some of the different ways they went i loved hallelujah that was a great track on there and also one I liked Soul Edge Boy because it had this rock feel when you hear the guitar at the beginning. Thus, I've I've heard that type of guitar rhythm before in a lot of other rock songs. It was an interesting take on hearing what if they would have went this route. And I like that you hear all these different styles on here. And there were some great ones on here. Champagne Gold was also great. Chewing Gum. I mean, it was a very interesting album, and this is the point where you can tell the next one they're going to be picking their style as just how this one you hear such a, you hear how Attack was, and then you get to All, and you can tell what route they're starting to go, but they're not quite there yet. So I like the pattern they're going in, and I think it gives you a good direction and starting to get a good feel for who this group is. No, yeah, no, I feel the exact same way there, Luna, where you can kind of see that they're ironing out a couple things that they end up becoming what the group does. But you can see some a little bit experimental stuff that they do do, like with Let It Beat. I like the edge in that song. Like, there's still some edges that they try to do, and I kind of like that because it ends up being a little bit more memorable that way you got songs like that you got like you said champagne gold which is really really good and this was out of their first like three or so this one i did thoroughly enjoy but like it didn't dawn on me on the on the the naming of this until we got to until you pointed it out there gray i was like oh yeah that makes so much sense (laughs) yes yes thank you thank you so uh, what i think was probably but they were contracted for three albums and then just to see how their publicity took off from then if it took off then then they just do the three albums and they're done if not then they keep together as a group it seems that way yeah because then the the naming schemes for the the rest of the album seem a little bit more off than these three <laughs> yeah once you break through the first three albums they'll uh the naming conventions get a little weird i i mean the seventh and eighth album are named at least it makes some kind of sense i guess 
but the fourth album, you're like, I I guess it it, it it's it, it does go in a few different places, but yeah, no, this album for me, it, it's okay. It's actually, I would make the argument this is one of my near the bottom of my favorite albums that they have. It it's it it has a couple of songs that I really really like. Samurai Heart being to me like the standout song of this album. But there's one song on this album I absolutely hate with a passion, and it's Q. Because the opening guitar riff is Footloose. Straight, ripped straight from that song. So every time I hear it, I cannot take this song seriously. I'm expecting to hear Kenny Loggins come on and say, Footloose, Footloose, kick off your Sunday shoes. So <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> so due to the presence of Q on this song uh, of this album, it just it really just affects my enjoyment levels of this album particularly. And they do go in a different direction. It's not Footloose. It's not the Japanese version of Footloose by any means. It's just that opening guitar riff. But it, it's just like they they should have mixed it up a little bit because I'm like this is too close to the original and. I really felt like they should have mixed it up a little bit. But Samurai Heart and Chewing Gum are just like two amazing songs that I absolutely love. And definitely, uh, there, there's, there are a lot of good songs on here, but Q just kind of takes it out of, <laughs> out of it for me. So moving on, uh, a couple weeks after they released their second album, the group climbed on board to a train that left the station and in a lot of ways would launch their career into basically the stratosphere. And that was when they did the opening for the much beloved uh, season of Common Rider, Common Rider Dino. I was going to figure how many tri- times you're going to do a train pun there. <laughs> I just limited it to one or two. And it, it and it's funny the script there isn't any, but I had to throw one or two in because that's the train season the the train of time. Yes, this was one of the biggest, most popular seasons of Common Rider, and we're not going to dwell on Common Rider much. But this was a big song for them. This is their this would go on to be their biggest song. It, it still is to this day. This is. The song this group is known for, like we're going to talk about a lot of great songs that they that they've done. This is the song that they are known for. This climax jump is one of the songs that really defines their career in a lot of ways, and it, a lot of it does have to do with the popularity of Deno. Deno is mega mega popular. Ken, you're you you you've been in Common Rider longer than me. On a scale from one to ten, how popular is Common Rider Deno in Japan? One hundred. <laughs> because it, it, no, it's whenever they have a chance to do so, they're gonna wedge Deno into it. That's yep. how popular Deno is compared to the franchise series. When they had. When they had a collaboration between Super Sentai, between Tokyuger, 
immediately yep. everyone was thinking, oh, somehow, some way, Deno was going to be implemented with the Tokyo people. And surprise, surprise! Yep. yep. It was. They even got their own little train for Tokyo as a special collaboration between that. So, Deno is immensely popular. It set off the career of Tokyo Sato, I believe. That sounds right. Oh, sorry. It set off the career for Takeru Sato, and he's a mega star now. He is like one of the biggest things from that, and proved that the writer system could take off careers. Unfortunately, he's too busy to come back to a lot of it. Yes. He came back that one time, and everyone was going freaking crazy about it, but it shows how big Deno was because not only did it combine Japanese culture people of their love of trains, but they had a lovable cast of characters that, if I remember correctly, you weren't sold originally on them, but they won it, you it over. It took me a while. It, it took me a while. It, it, I'm, I'm one of those people where uh, sometimes like I'll see a character and I'll instantly love them. Sometimes it takes them. They have to grow on me. i the moment I saw Umetaros, who is the womanizer, I, I I loved that character. He was like, I was like, there that he does not get enough screen time in my opinion. But Momotaros, who is the big big one that gets a lot of screen time, it, it took him. It took me a long time for me to come around to his character. But he actually has a very very good character arc in that story. It, it's a fantastic season and. Like, I just recently went back and watched Dinner this past November, and it is a phenomenal season. It was my first time viewing it, and and I can see why it has been, like, a staple of just, like, you know, if you're going to get into Kamen Rider, like, that, that's a good starting place, I, I think, because it's just a standout season. You don't really have a lot to deal with as far as like gimmicks go and stuff like that. And you can kind of really just enjoy the story for what it is. And it, it's really great. And um, Takeru Sato for people who don't know him, you would know him as Roni Kenshin because he's Kenshin in the live action version. <laughs> so uh, if you are, if you don't know who we're talking about, you should now like, like this basically launched his career. And really made him a common household name. It's, I mean, it it had the Godai effect. Is as they call it the Godai effect because in the first Common Rider series, the the number one demographic that watched it was actually older women at home who had to watch it with their kids, and they found the primary the actor the lead character very attractive, and so a lot of women tuned in to watch him. And the same thing happened in Deno. A lot of older women tuned in because they liked how Takeru looked, and so they that they really helped sell this. But it's a fun, fun season all around, and definitely. And we'll talk more about Climax Jump. This this is not the end of that discussion by any means, um, but we do have to move on. So. Uh, 
from here, uh, the group members actually started doing, uh, got into a little bit more acting. They were already doing it a little bit, but they wanted to get more mainstream exposure, even though they were just launched into the stratosphere. And so they took a couple of different side projects. The 14th single, Kuchi Biru Kara Romantica, slash That's Right, was actually used for the television drama drama Delicious Gakuen, which actually stars group members Takahiru and Shinjiro. And on June 11th of 2007, it was announced that Yukari Goto would be leaving the group due to health issues. So her time was very short-lived with the group, unfortunately, but uh, you know, she she had to leave for health reasons, and I, I tried to dig some digging to find out what those health reasons were, but I couldn't come up with anything. But uh, right before, right after she left, AAA actually made their first appearance in America, in Baltimore, Maryland, in 2007. At, I'm going to say this right. Because I, I played Metal Gear Solid, and so I, I have been trained to say this wrong. It is Otakon, not Otakon, which is how I've always said it because of Metal Gear Solid. So in 2007, Otakon AAA came and they did, did their first appearance there. And then in September of 2007, they finally dropped their third album, Around. And what are our thoughts on Around? So before we get into Around, should I mention that actually AAA got in trouble when they did Otakon? You can. I didn't see anything about that. So I didn't know to look into it. So if you know something, by all means, go ahead. So back then I was into a lot of anime and I still am. I went to way more conventions back in the day. So they did their tour, and they did not know that they 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 were at in a public place, and they saw this graffiti on this wall. So they decided to spray paint their name AAA, and they got caught, oh, and no. they actually got in trouble. And they didn't know that, but they ended up getting fined later on and apologizing because they didn't realize that it was illegal to do graffiti. Because as you know, in America, <laughs> a lot of people do a lot of graffiti that's artsy, and even though it is illegal, yes. a lot of it is very cool and beautiful however you don't want to get caught doing that so there was some cultural misunderstanding there and i remember this being in the news and like ann and i had a lot of friends who went to otakon that year so they kind of told me about it and remembered it but it was something you know that i i don't think they came back to the u.s after that and i don't think they were allowed to for a little bit after that incident i mean i i didn't i I didn't see if they like uh, the the source that I use only referenced this one trip, and they completely left that out. I had no idea that that had happened, but I would imagine they've been a big band for many years. I would imagine at some point they've been invited to Anime Central. Now, whether or not Avex let them come would be a different story. But oh, I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I imagine they've been invited a few times. I'm not sure. Also, it depends on budgeting reasons. That's and true too. Stuff like that. However, I, I Otakon's actually bigger than Asen. It's the biggest. No, no way. Anime Expo. Expo is the biggest. Expo is the biggest. Um, I keep forgetting. Well, growing up in the mid-aughts, I think Otakon was the biggest. And then mm. in the mid early teens, like 2010-ish, 
Anime Expo exploded and became number one. I could be wrong. I but, have to look into that. I don't yeah. remember. I always remembered Expo being number one. I, you know, they did go neck and neck for numbers though for Otakon yeah. Expo. Well, so see, see, in in where I come from, no one really talked to, now because I live on the East Coast. None of us have the funds or means to go to Anime Expo, and it was pre-internet age or early infancy infancy internet age, like. Maybe we just weren't interested in Anime Expo, so we just we never talked about it. Like Otakon, Otakon was the only convention, anime convention that we ever really talked about. It wasn't until I was like two thousand, I think it was like two thousand eleven or twelve. I even realized that North Carolina has their own anime convention that they hold every year. Animazement, which I've never been because I've I've I always been a broke boy. <laughs> I've I always been broke. Yeah. So yeah. going It's um, actually pretty big. It's like I think it's like in the top 10 anime conventions. Like it, it's it's a pretty sizable convention. I'll have to look that up. Um so going into since you know I talked about the incident, I'm pretty sure it was just cultural misunderstanding in their you know on that part. Oh yeah. Easily mistakable. So going into their album around this is where you can tell their style starts to become more definite, and I enjoyed Around. I thought it had a lot of great solid tracks on there, and very standout ones as well, like Body Talker Standout, which I know, Ken, you'll talk about that one. And I enjoyed their second part of Dea no Chikara 2, just because it was like a different version, and they did a more upbeat version of it and I like that and I thought Paradise Paradise was catchy and you can really tell what they're going into and Get You was also another great one and this is one that I ended up enjoying quite well. I would say it's not probably one of I don't know I, I pick and choose which songs I really like by them but I thought it was solid and it really dived into them. So yeah all Around was the album that hooked me finally because, like I said, I I, I always jokingly think of them as the S-Up Club 7 ripoff with just some Eurobeat <laughs> mixed in there. And for the, the longest time, they, they were S-Club 7 <laughs> to a point. And I just... Around was the one that finally sold me on them so to speak because you got songs like red soul and hanabi and saigo no kotoba that are just fan freaking fantastic and those those songs sold me on this group and i'm like mm, i can understand why a lot of people freaking like them now <laughs> yeah yeah th this album was absolutely fantastic this this is one of those albums where you listen to it and you know, I don't think there's really a bad track on here, personally. This is definitely one of their best albums as a whole. Just conceptually, I, I think it works from top to bottom. And it's just a really, really fantastic put-together album. Uh, some of my noticeable standouts were, you know, Body Talker and Hanabi, which was just an absolutely fantastic song. Get You is really great as well. But, you know, this whole album as a whole, I just felt like it was really solid. And one thing where 
the name of this album actually really makes sense because they are you know they're they're completing the naming gimmick but it also kind of comes full circle the the, the it kind of comes around and they they really kind of get it together with this album and it and it shows so i i don't i i know like it's named that because of the naming convention of the group but i do think it was a well-named album in how it comes out too from like an artistic standpoint because they they really did just an outstanding job with their third album and moving on up to or moving on from that discussion i guess would be a better way to put it uh chiaki ito and naoya urata appeared in their very first movie the movie is called heat island and it opened in theaters on october 20th of 2007 finally in 2008 Triple A had one of their songs reach number one on the weekly Oricon charts, and that song was Mirage. And it sold a combined total of 25,333 copies in the first week. Oh, oh, yeah. oh we, we wish we could see those numbers now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, been, it's been slow. It, it's been slow. Uh, this would lead to the release of their very first compilation album, which was titled Attack All Around. And in 2008, uh, the AAA did not release a studio album, but all the males did drop a mini album titled Choice Is Yours in June of that year. In October of 2008, the whole group would participate in the... Dr- the drama serial titled Mirai Seki Shakespeare, which took basic old Shakespearean plays and put them in a modern day Tokyo setting. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't in iambic, but pentameter because that's a very English thing. So I'm, I'm certain, you know, they, they did a lot of changes to that. And so they participated in that. And then Takehiro Nishijima, really from that experience really caught like the acting bug and he did multiple stage plays after that and that led to him being the lead character in the movie love exposure where takahiro received critical acclaim and he earned the sponichi grand prix new face award for the year of 2009 and was named best male actor in the 83rd uh, Kinema Jun- Junpo Awards. I actually thought about checking out the movie Love Exposure, but the runtime of Love Exposure is 237 minutes. The, the movie is just short of four hours. Yes, yeah, so it's Shian Sono who is a very famous director and it's more of like a mini series than a movie. Like they kind of pretty much made a mini series into a movie. I own it because I'm a huge Sono fan. Oh, I didn't oh, know that. This movie, this movie. <laughs> I remember this movie. Yes. I love yeah. this movie <laughs> because of, uh, things Ando. involved with this movie. <laughs> Well, it, it was funny. I told my girlfriend about the premise of the movie, and she actually got intrigued by it. And she was like, oh, that's interesting, <laughs> because the premise of the movie is 
kind of weird. I, I think it's weird, but it is basically the premise of the movie is a boy grows up in a very Catholic family and he's living a relatively clean life. And so he feels like, so his dad is the priest of this church and he, he has to go to confession. And so what he starts doing is making up lies about some of the stuff that he's doing, but his father sees right through him, which lying in of itself would be a sin, but I'm not going to get into that here. But so in order to, I don't know, have something really juicy to confess, he decides that he's going to get involved with some shady people and uh crap happens yeah i was reading there's actually a six hour cut of this movie like the, the director wanted like had produced like a six hour movie and uh one of the producers had to talk him down and he and he got the the full thing you guys have seen it i, I haven't seen it how would you say the movie is is it any good would you recommend people watching it is it worth the four hour investment it's fantastic. Yes, it is a long movie, but it doesn't feel like that. However, I'm also a big Sono fan, and I know he also starred in another Sono movie as well, Takihiro, uh, called Himizu, and same director, so the director must like him. But I, I personally liked it, but that's also just me because I like very weird movies. I will say it's not for everyone. I'm trying to think, like, if you like movies that are odd, like if you like Tag or if you like Suicide Club or if you like Tokyo Tribe, it's you, when you watch a Sono movie, you know what you're going to expect. Let's put it that way. You know you're getting into something weird and odd. I think the acting is fantastic. It's directed. It it, it has a great it's an amazing directed movie. It's just long even though it doesn't feel like it to me i would be very interested in seeing that six hour cut and i would not mind at all <laughs> but that that's just how i feel personally yeah no yeah, it, go ahead this Jen. this movie is uh amazing <laughs> i love it it's uh it's it has one of my favorite actresses also hikari mitsushima so she's a very good okinawa girl and I love her very, very much. <laughs> is she the so, girl? Is she the girl flipping the viewer off in the poster? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she's cute. <laughs> so she's she's a very good actress, and I love a lot of her roles. And the movie is a very interesting movie. It's a very artsy movie. So if you you gotta have that kind of frame in mind that. It isn't going to be for everyone because it does poke fun at a lot of things of culture. So you got to be open to that. But it's a very great movie. And if you guys do have the time, I would highly recommend it. And um, how would you guys say Takehiro's performances in this movie? Outstanding. You think he earned those rewards that he got? Oh, yeah. I, I think he did. He did an amazing job. Yeah, the... How he performed that movie was fan freaking fantastic because he had to flip a lot of things <laughs> tonally. Let's just say that much of how he does his performance. So it's it's really good. Good. I'm I'm glad to hear it. I I thought I really thought about checking it out for the show because I didn't know I had no idea that you guys had seen it. I should have asked. I should have asked, but I I didn't even think to do that. 
and I couldn't find it on any streaming service like Hulu. I even checked Amazon Prime. I couldn't find it there. And so I was really kind of disappointed. But I'd like to check it out one day just out of morbid curiosity, if anything else. And uh, I will definitely lean on you guys for your recommendations. So I'll definitely have to give that a, a, a look-see. So in February of 2009, uh, AAA released their fourth album titled Departure, which actually peaked at number four on the Oricon sales charts. Uh, and it was the first time in the group's history that they hit the top five sales charts for studio albums. So how did we feel about Departure? I quite enjoyed it. I liked the style they went with and I fa found it, you know, to be pretty much mostly enjoyable. It has a song that I absolutely loved was De, uh, De No Chikara 3. It is a great, beautiful ballad and a take on off their first album. And that was one of my favorites. And I thought Horizon was freaking amazing. So it had some top tracks on here that I loved and Save Your Soul was also very catchy. And there were so many that took you into it. And I liked the way they went with it. Oh yeah, this movie is a fan freaking oh not movie. <laughs> I'm still thinking of love exposure. <laughs> Departure was a very, very interesting one. It's a huh. Departure from what they usually ended up doing and yeah i know chikata 3 is an amazing track and it's followed up by a piece of my word which is really good mosaic is one of my favorite songs on the album so it's it's really good and i ended up really really liking it yeah no departure is really good because it is a departure in in a lot of ways for them and it really goes to show it's just a wonderful album. I absolutely love D.I. No Chikara. Like, in any song with that phrase in it just seems to be good. I, I think whether you're talking about the first, the second, or third one, they're all fantastic in their own way. And, you know, the third the third time around is no exception. I really wish they'd kept going with this, like every other album, sort of. Like, there'd be a new D.I. No Chikara just to see how many iterations of that song they could do. But... This was the last time they did it, so this was this was it for them on that one, and it was very nice. Uh, I thought that you know this is a very wonderful and beautiful song. Mosaic is absolutely fantastic. It's just like one of the standout songs of this piece as well. A piece of my word is also just really good. This was a absolutely solid album as a whole, and really shows them coming into their own being in a lot of ways. And they get a lot closer to the AAA that we know today in, in this album, most definitely. And, you know, it, it really is everything from here on up is going to be on the upswing as far as popularity goes, as time in the spotlight goes. They, you know, th you know, we're just really getting to the like where they're they're really starting to take off in the public. You know, they they had like the they they had like the the climax jump that jumped their career, right? You know, if you want to put it that way, into into the absolute stratosphere, and you know, you know, but you know that one song can only carry them so far, and like the talent that they're able to constantly produce is really is what kept them coming up in the ranks, and and I and I think 
that'll bear out as we keep talking about this. So moving on to the next little bit we're going to be talking about. So the next year that AAA, the, the next year AAA dropped their fifth album. It's titled Heartful. And that also peaked at number three. So it did a little better. And this marked a real turning point in the career for the group. Because not only was Heartful so successful, but every single from this point on would hit the top three of the weekly Oricon charts. So this was a huge, huge turning point for them. And Chiaki also started participating much more in the songs than she had been previously doing in 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 the uh, the songs and they also appeared on the very popular program music station to perform their song hideaway which was the first song the group did that was the first song that really started really to actually showcase chiaki and give her much more of the spotlight than she had been previously getting so what did we think about heartful I'm probably going to be the odd one out on this, but I greatly enjoyed this album because of Eurobeat. They went with a heavy Eurobeat style and presence with this. And that is one of the reasons I probably enjoyed it the mu- as much as I did. I have a soft spot for Eurobeat. And you can have it is heavily, heavily influenced by this with the upbeat style very club music and i like more songs on it than i thought like brand new world summer revolution as i am heart and soul metamorphosis i mean there's so much power and so much fun and it also reminded me of when ayumi did all her eurobeat so i had a huge hamasaki ayumi vibe from this in a way it reminded me and thought Maybe this was somewhat influenced by several of her tracks because it had that sound from her early albums. And I loved it. So, but I know I'm going to be the odd one out on this because, just because it's Eurobeat. Uh, I mean, I I like Eurobeat also. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I was like, I think Ken loves Eurobeat. I remember him praising it a a couple of times. I I know Luna's a bigger fan than Ken, but Ken likes it too. I I like traditional, like actual from Europe, Eurobeat. But but it's interesting. Like I said, this album is Eurobeat, very Eurobeat inspired with a lot of their songs. Honestly, the best song that I did like from the album was Field and and One. And it kind of just goes into... It leads all into one big rave song. And I just ended up really, really <laughs> liking the album on a whole. The break from Field was really refreshing and i kind of needed that before it's it's like that you know that that five minute spin of you have to go get a drink before you go back out there kind of thing (laughs) yeah no totally i get what you're saying yes yeah for for me heartful this is this will be i'll be up front this is my least favorite album by them probably because it's so heavily eurobeat inspired It, it took me up until the seventh track to actually start enjoying the album as a whole because the, for me personally, I felt like tracks one through six, 
They did. I'm not going to sit here and say they sounded the same, and you couldn't tell when one track ended and one. They sounded different, but they all sounded like they had like the same kind of DNA in in their essence, so to speak. And and it just, well, I was just it, like, it. It sounds more like that they they flowed very well together as a whole compared to if it was just yeah. single tracks. Yes. Yes. Now, now, my absolute favorite song on this album was Field, but when you get this, the seventh track, As I Am, I really started lightening up on the album a lot, and I, I actually enjoyed As I Am. I actually listened like the first six tracks in a, in a car ride over to my girlfriend's house, and then the rest of the album I listened to on the ride back, and I think that, was, I think that break is what helped me kind of get into focus a little bit. Because I don't even know if I would have liked seven had I just went from six to seven, because I I needed that break a little bit, but this it, it is a good album if you really into Eurobeat, because you know it, it is AAA. They're they're very talented. Their vocal work here is on point. But in my in my humble opinion, I think Field was like really the biggest standout because is that is a gorgeous song. In a lot of ways, it's just absolutely moving, and it, it just really stuck with me. I loved loved Field very, very much. Now, in May of t- 2010, AA dropped their double A-side single, Itai Ryu slash Dream After Dream. And this is big, because one, they it went to number one, obviously. But second, and this is the more important reason, this was the song that got them to go to make their first appearance at the Kohaku Uta Gasen. And that, and so AAA made their debut at the 61st Kohaku, and they sung Aitai Ryu for the team, for the white team. Which is interesting because it's a co-ed group, but I guess because there's more boys than there are girls, they sung for the white team. So I wonder if LOL ever went to the Kohaku, would they be team? Would they be the red team because there's three girls and two guys? <laughs> Just something funny to think about. No, I mean because um, Sekano Owari does that too. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So another important thing about Aitai Ryu is that was the first time that the group were Tetsuya Kumura, who is a very accomplished composer in Japan, and he helped compose both these songs. And he would go on to actually compose every song for the next, their sixth album, Buzz Communication. And... That would that was released in February of 2011. So, what of our thoughts on Buzz Communication slash Tetsuya Komura's time with AAA? I love their Buzz Communication album. It was actually had a couple of my favorite songs on it, like Makenai Kokoro. I am in love with that song. It is freaking amazing, and Aitai Ryu is another just solid track it is fantastic and they had so many other great ones on there one more tomorrow paradise i mean this whole album was packed full of 
amazing tracks and I I'm glad they brought him on because it it showcased you know and they also their little change of style but they still kept with a little bit of Eurobeat inspired as well but I I loved it I really can't say enough this was one of my other favorite albums by them yeah that no this is probably one of another one of my favorites as well because I tell you is obviously in there and you got songs like step and then love at first sight and dream after dream which are fan freaking tastic and day by day you got a lot of really solid hits with this particular album and it really does show and this is where their popularity and their style really did kind of become cemented after when we get into like triple seven and things like that with their next album where what their style ends up defining what they are and i really do like that you see that kickoff with bus communication yeah bus communication is really it's a very interesting album it is fantastic absolutely fantastic and it is one of their better albums i I will wholly agree with that and i do think it's very interesting the that because they've worked with several different composers and for them to actually just work with a solo composer with buzz communication it really shows through tetsuya's work here is really really well and it actually helps the album have like a kind of cohesive vision together it just really all comes apart like it, it all works together and you know there's a pretty good wide variety of song play here but you know songs like paradise are absolutely fantastic uh makenai kokoro is a wonderful wonderful song and like itai ryu is just an absolutely gripping song like i I was doing work when i first heard it and i had to stop like i had to stop because it just gripped me it's just such a great song and dream after dream is just you know it's great song after great song after great song and i i think this is one of their absolute best albums and it is definitely like a really solid entry in their discography so so tetsuya kimura would continue to work with triple a until early 2012 with sailing was his was the last song that he composed for the group and then after that they went back to working with different composers and then in october of that year of 2012 they dropped their seventh album triple seven the name of the album represents seven members their seventh album and it was their seven year anniversary so what are our thoughts on triple seven so I thought it was a solid album as this really does define who they are and who they're going to be from here. And it had many standout tracks that I absolutely loved on here. And St- uh, Still Love You was one of the ones that first caught me. I also love Sorry I. Wishes was really nice. And I love the song Perfect. That was one of the first songs I heard by them and I fell in love with it. And I, in hearing a lot of these, you're going to hear the style continue on from here on out and it fits them. It suits them. And you hear it right here in triple seven. Yeah. 
triple seven right here is probably one of the more solid albums that I could think of when i think of s club not s club seven when i think of triple a i think of this album particularly because this just define it ends up defining who they are you got songs like triple seven we can sing a song and lights and wishes lights is my one of my fan freaking fantastic favorite songs on this album and i highly recommend it because just the vocal work involved with that song is so so good and it ends up defining their career from here on out from what what kind of group they end up being with this album. Yeah, this is a really, really solid album. There's a really huge number of songs that just absolutely amazing. One of the songs that really stuck out to me was Still Love You. That is just an absolutely fantastic song. But you also have their song Perfect. That was just fantastic. You have Lights, this is an amazing song. Sorry I is really, really good. And I would be remiss as a One Piece fan if I did not talk about this, so give me a minute to discuss this. The last song on the album is the uh, is the song We Are, and that is Triple A's cover of the very first One Piece opening, which was also titled We Are, obviously. And I've, I've got to say, they do a really good here. And I was a really bad host. I did not look who did the original We Are before discussing this. So, But the original song is wonderful. It's, a, it's an absolute classic. If you have never heard We Are, I definitely, definitely recommend going checking that song out. It is fantastic. AAA does a great job covering it. I do think the original is better in almost every way, but the AAA version is still fun. It's still enjoyable, and they really rise and meet the occasion. They do a, a wonderful job with this song. So if you're a One Piece fan and you haven't heard this yet, I definitely recommend going to check it out because it's definitely done really well and this is a little foreshadowment for things to come in the future all right so in october of that year triple a started their very own variety show titled triple a no kizuna gashaku gashuku gashuku oh thank you gashuku uh, my japanese pronunciation is so rusty Thank you, Luna. Uh, that aired on TV Asahi. And it also had its own YouTube channel. So they posted all the episodes to YouTube. And it was a variety show. It ran from February. It ran up until February of 2013. And it accumulated 139 episodes. And they, I, from what I could find, they only did three seasons of it. Uh I only have the stats for season one, but uh, the first season of the show was really, really popular. Uh, by metrics, it gained over 10 million views on YouTube. And shortly after Triple, uh, th they started their variety show, they also kicked off their very first nationwide tour, Tridal 
titled Triple A Tour 2013 Eighth Wonder. And it was their biggest tour today. It took place in 41 venues. And in September of 2013, they dropped their eighth album called Eighth Wonder. And this was the first album that they ever had to actually hit number one on the Oricon album charts. So what are our thoughts about Eighth Wonder? So I, I enjoyed it. I mean, there were a few standout songs that I really liked. It did have one of my favorite tracks on there, which was Drama. I absolutely loved it. It was just a beautiful song. I thought all their vocals were very smooth and well on point in this album. Everything flowed pretty well. I also enjoyed Miss You, Koyoto to Amazora, Hoho Emino Saku Bashoyo. I tuned, I Apple Music put it really weird. Uh, yeah, because so, it, it is Busio. 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 What I, that's they, what I have. They put Basio on yeah. iTunes. So, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was decent. It wasn't my favorite album by them, but I still thought everything flowed pretty decently and it had some very memorable songs on it. So, yeah. So, Eighth Wonder is probably one of my favorite albums done by them. I initially had wrote it off but after sitting down and listening to it a handful of times i ended up really really liking it one of my favorite songs is on there we got that we got niji we got trap believe drama is really really good the special edition if you got the special edition you got those additional tracks but good day was also really really good miss you is probably one of my favorites also on the album there's a lot of songs with this album that i ended up really really liking and it ended up being one of my favorite albums overall done by them yeah i i know i've talked about this before but you know when it comes to like album names and stuff like that like like they they really have a, a tendency to kind of really be on point with some of their album names and i think eighth wonder really is a excellently named album because of just the solid number of tracks that are on here so yeah, the the original track is uh, the original album is ten. If you get the special edition, it comes with an extra six tracks, and of sixteen songs on here, I noted that of ten that I loved. So it was you know just you know this entire track from top top to bottom is really really good. You know some of the ones that you guys haven't talked about that I really liked was "Party It Up," is a really good song. I Know You Know is another really good song. Alive was good. Love is in the Air was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Miss You was wonderful. Uh, I loved Good Day. I loved Niji, Memory Lane. There's just really good songs on here. Koito to Amazora, the acoustic version, is, is absolutely fantastic as well and it's is just an absolutely overall fantastic album especially like you know eight times like sometimes by this point in the career you know they're getting rusty you know they've they're kind of set in their ways and for them to just still to be able to crank out like all these amazing great songs is just really is a testament to their skill and their talent and the staying power that they've had over the years and just 
their ability to just you know get through everything like like this album was absolutely fantastic and in january of 2014 AAA was appointed the pr ambassadors for the 15th anniversary of the mega popular pirate series one piece <laughs> and provided the song wake up for its opening theme at the time the next tour AAA did was titled AAA Arena Tour of 2014 Gold Symphony, which was even bigger than their last tour. And the estimated attendance overall was over 200,000. Then in October 1st of 2014, AAA dropped their Golden Symphony album. And once again, it hit number one on the Oricon charts. So what are our thoughts on Golden Symphony? So, first of all, this actually has one of my favorite tracks in it, and I I enjoyed it. I mean, I wouldn't say it was my favorite album by them, but it did have some fantastic songs. Kaze ni karu natsu no kyoku, sayonara no mai ni, Circle, Hands... Voice of Love was a lot of fun, Autumn Orange. I mean, it had some solid tracks. I thought they also had, it was more of a, it flowed and had a smooth vibe to it, which is, and their vocal work was very on point as well. It was not a favorite album, but I thought it went pretty well together and it had some nice summer songs to it. Yeah, Gold Symphony had a lot to it was a hard act to follow, let's just say that much, with how I put 8th Wonder, and it, it did alright, there was a lot of solid tracks, just like how Luna said, however, for me, it didn't reach that epiphany of what 8th Wonder was, you got Sayonara no My Knee, and you got Voice of Love, and you got Autumn, Autumn Orange, you got a lot of great songs, solid songs, that by itself are just fan-freaking-tastic, but... Overall, with the album, it just, for me, it couldn't encapsulate what I ended up really did liking from 8th Wonder. 8th Wonder is definitely a hard act to follow. That just, the, the quality on display in that album was superb. And, you know, sometimes that happens where, like, the next album just does not quite hit those same high marks. But I, I think they did manage to follow up as good as, could be probably expected and gold golden symphony is a pretty pretty solid album overall it has one of what is very quickly grown to be one of my absolute favorite songs which i will talk about more in a little bit but voice of love is just a phenomenal song then you have the beautiful wonderment that is autumn orange and um Kaze ni Kaoru Natsu no ki, uh, Kyoku is just a very wonderful song and uh, definitely notable and worth talking about. And it, it does a it does a good job of you know doing the best that it can at the time. And and I I that I think that that shows because outside of like the handful of songs that we've mentioned there isn't too much to talk about on the album unfortunately but 
still definitely like for the songs that we mentioned, it is worth checking out the album just for those alone. I think they they're worth the ticket price of the album, so to speak. Moving on in January of 2017, it was announced that Chiaki Ito would be leaving the group. And in December of the previous because December of the previous year, so in December of 2016, uh, she had gotten married to someone who's not really in the entertainment industry and she was pregnant at the time. And so the next month, AAA dropped their next album, which is Way of Glory, and that was the last album to feature Chiaki on. Wave, Wave of Glory was the third album in the road to hit number one on the Oricon chart, selling over 100,000 copies. What are our thoughts on Way of Glory? So I thought it was solid. It wasn't as good as Eighth Wonder or Golden Symphony. However, I still thought it was good. It did have a couple great tracks on it, such as Jewel was fantastic. I really enjoyed SOL, Sound of Love, Over, um, Magic was another one, and Leap of Faith, but it didn't stand out as much to me as the rest, but it was also a great send-off for Chiaki as it had great vocal work and the tracks sounded nice and flowed very well together. Yeah, this was a very interesting album as well because it ended up being her swan song, and uh, I mean... (laughs) It, it was alright. There was a lot of solid tracks that I ended up really, really liking. I did like Jewel. I did like Leap of Faith and Yell and various other songs on this, on Waves, Way of Glory. Way of Glory is also another really good song, too. It's, um, it beats you over the head with the glory part, let's just say that much. <laughs> yes. But it's, it's a great swan song to say thank you so much for your service, and it it it's kind of sad because it's just right after right after their 10th anniversary and and it's 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 interesting though but to see how the the dynamic of the group ended up being after Ito left yeah yeah this, this is um a bittersweet album for me cuz i i think Chiaki Ito just uh, from like my perspective, I'm I'm familiar with a lot of her solo work and and everything. And yet, you know, since she's been gone, I, I love Misako Misako Uno. But I think you, you know, you know, having like you know just one girl kind of prop up the feminine vocals, it, it just it like it really shows like the effect of really you know how how much how important Chiaki was to the group's success try not minimizing Misako's contributions because she is absolutely fantastic in her own right and and everything. But, you know, Chiaki was really just really pivotal to the group in my opinion. And, you know, this, this, for me, this album is really bittersweet as it, as it was her last, but like you guys said, there is there is some solid songs. It was a really good swan song for her to go out on. Uh, new, I really enjoyed. SOL is just really great. Jewel is fantastic in every way. It just winds up being a really solid song. 
Coco was another really good song that I really enjoyed. And it's just, you know, things happen, life happens. And, you know, she, she is, she is missed. And, uh, you know, we're, we're happy that, you know, she's family, family in love and, you know, she's doing well for herself. So moving on after wave way of glory, uh, it would be another year and Triple H dropped their Color A Life album. This was their 11th overall studio album, and this is their last album, not counting compilation albums or anything like that. We're just talking studio albums. This is their last studio album to date, and uh, it was pretty big. It was the fourth time in the row that they hit the Oricon charts, debuting at number one and it sold around 70,000 copies. So compared to, you know, you know, like Mirage, even though I know that was a single, I mean, this is a slightly different ball game, but you know, Mirage, you know, they had 25,000 top selling. Well then, you know, their album color of life, you know, sold 70,000 copies. So they've really come a long ways as far as sales numbers go. They've really upped their game and it really shows the, the popularity that they've managed to gain over the years by contrast. So what are our thoughts on Color Alive? So it was okay. However, it does have one of my favorite tracks in there, Deja Vu. It is one of the catchiest tracks and I absolutely love it. It also had ones like Tomorrow and Life, which are really good. But I felt like it suffered from not having Chiaki Ito in there. And I love Misako. However, for her to carry, you know, those vocal parts, because both of them did such a great job intertwining and playing off each other's vocals, that with just Misako, you really hear that in this album, just having her, the difference. And you hear more of the guys sing as well, which is nice. And I do love them and they have all fantastic voices, but that was for me how this album felt was it just was missing a little bit of something and I found it enjoyable, but not quite like the rest. So uh, unfortunately, because of Ito's departure from this album, you can kind of tell what happened. Like she was a very important piece for the group and without her for me personally i ended up really liking a lot of the songs on it but it felt like something was missing and i i worked backwards this is my 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 profit process of how i did this i worked backwards so i went from color of life first and i was like it seems like they're firing on all cylinders and you can see that they are still very successful but it felt like something was missing and then I, as soon as I got into Ray of Glory and Gold Symphony and Wonder, you can kind of tell that like what what Ito meant to the group. And although it is very solid overall, it's for me personally, it feels like something's something is not there, and it which ends up being very sad because this ends up being their last studio album as of right now. Yeah, no, I I could not begin to agree more with you, Ken. I I think you hit the nail right on the head. It it, it it's a good it's a good album. It there are tracks on here that 
I loved and enjoyed Deja Vu is, is a very fun song. COL is another one. I don't know what it was with the acronyms, but every every song that's just like something OL worked. But overall, like like Chiaki's presence is just gone in this album and it it just shows. It just shows, you know, she was important and, and she had good reasons for leaving, you know. It, it's just like I said, life gets in the way, but you know, you know, there's something to be said for them to continue on and to to really press forward. And this this is bittersweet. Uh, we don't, you know. Hopefully, we're, we're gonna talk in a second. You know, moving forward about some of these things. But you know, hopefully, this isn't going to be their last studio album. But only time will tell at this moment. So we'll wait and see. But because uh, you know, I you know. After they, I think they've had to figure, they've had to shift gears, especially after Chiaki left, and I think it shows in, you know, their last two singles that they dropped, "Ego No," "Egal No Loop," and "Bad Love." Like, like those songs are slightly different directions, and th- I mean, they they do play off the strengths that they had previously established, but they're going in slightly different directions too. And and I think I think in order for them to be successful moving forward, they're probably going to have to do that a little bit, because the, the with Chiaki being there and them trying to do the same thing without her being there, it just it it feels hollow inside. And and in order for them to continue to be successful, they're going to have to pivot a little bit. And yeah. Which brings us to the sad part of the story, unfortunately. So on April 19th, Naya Urata was arrested by the Tokyo Metropolitan Police for assaulting a 20-year-old woman. Naya walked into a convenience store at 5.30 in the morning and walked up to a woman. After she wanted a drink with him, uh, he was pretty intoxicated at the time. And he stated that he was a member of AAA. The woman did not realize who he was or didn't know him. And she told him, I have no idea who you are. And he got angry. And as a result, he slapped her across the face. And he was actually so intoxicated at the time that later on, when he was confronted about it, he actually had no memory of the incident. So... They were in the middle of a giant tour at the time, and they had to cancel the tour. And then in December of 20, December 31st of 2019, it became official. Naya left the group. And, and in October of last year, they dropped what was what is now their last single, Bad Love. And it was recorded without Naya because he was in jail at the time. I I couldn't find if he still is, if he's still serving a sentence or if he's out or whatnot. But Bad Love was the first single, first song to be recorded without him. And then in January of this year, 2020, they they, they announced they'd be taking a break. They're, they're going to take 2020 off. They're going to focus on solo projects, get together, I guess still see if they still want to tour together as a group, you know, take a 
surveillance and stuff. And they've been at it pretty hard for 15 years now. I, I'm, they've earned a break. They've, they, I know they're tired. And so that is, you know, from beginning where they started to where they, they ended up. And it, it's really unfortunate that it, the story ends on a sad note, but you know, I'm hopeful, you know, that they'll get back together and continue on without their leader. I, they're, they're, I think they can make it work. And I think their song Bad Love really proves it. And it's just, it'll just be a matter of them deciding if they want to do that, if they just want to do their own thing. Cause they've all been kind of doing solo projects for many years now, anyways. So we've talked about 11 great studio albums. So, the next thing that we're going to do, we're going to we're getting ready to go into our top five songs that the that AAA has done. But I want to take a moment and give everybody an opportunity to go over three songs that they really just want to highlight a little better and and stuff. So, and this is our honorable mentions for our favorite AAA song. So, Luna. If you will lead us off, Ken, if you will go after her and I will go last, tell us your three honorable mentions for AAA. Of course. Um, could I say something about the solo projects? Yeah, by all means, go right ahead. Uh, so I'm actually excited for a lot of their solo projects. And Nissy's been doing a lot of his own thing for a while. And so is Sky High. And Sky High is dropping his best album in September of this year. So I've been extremely excited to see what they all do solo and i know they've all had their solo works misako uh uno has hers out nissi has his out now sky high so i think it'll be interesting to see how these solo products develop them as an artist and when they decide to get back together how that'll change the group as well and what they can contribute with their newfound uh, success and what they've learned in the process so and I'm going to dive into my honorable mention. So, right. So my first honorable mention is Soul Edge Boy. So this was on their album All. And some reason it stuck with me. And even though the opening starts out with your guitar and it reminds me of another track. And I can't remember what it what is. But it has a very rock feel to it. And I think that part caught me because one, I'm like, what song does this sound like? But two, I like their vocal style as they did more of a type of punk rock type thing, especially with their vocals. And it showcased their range and that they can do a different style besides their upbeat dancing style. And I liked it for that reason. The reason it made my honorable mentions is it sounds like another song and I just can't place what it is yet. So my second one is Hallelujah, which is on the same album, All. And I just love how this track starts out with the rap and then it just goes straight into the vocal work. And it is a catchy tune. It has a great beat and also started off their album so well. And it made me get hooked into All and the different styles they're going to go with there and what they're going toward. So it, it made my honorable mentions due to the fact that it wasn't one of my favorite tracks but it is a super catchy one that caught me off guard and made me love it my third honorable mention is dea 
Deai no Chikara 3, which is on their departure album. This one is absolutely freaking gorgeous. It is basically all their vocal work with an acoustic-like sound, and I love the ballad approach they took to it. I mean, it is a power ballad. You hear all their vocals on point. They showcase their talent, the emotion in this track. You feel it, and it is just absolutely stunning. So it, it made more of my honorable mentions. It was fighting with Brand New World to get up there, but... I think due to the fact that it is a ballad and I have to be in the mood to listen to ballads a little bit more and I wasn't quite there yet, but it is a great, great track. And those are my three. All right. Thank you, Luna. And Ken, what are your honorable mentions? Uh, first off, I'm going to start off with um, Hanabi. So Hanabi is just an elegant and beautiful composed song and it's it threw me off when i had first heard this song and to the point that i was just like i was almost in tears because <laughs> just how freaking gorgeous this song ended up being and we continue on with that to go on to jewel and jewel is very interesting because when when it, when it showed up on way of glory I wasn't absolutely sold on it at first, but it was something that ended up being really good. And like I said, it ended up being a solid song overall. But this last one for my honorable mention, Sayonara no Maini, honestly, it could be replaced with number five in an instant. <clears throat> but because one of the strengths that I think AAA had was making these compositions rise up with their vocal heavy like lyrical composition and it was just simply amazing and it gives that empowerment to what the vocalists are trying to do here and it was fan freaking tastic and you can see that with Sayonara no Maini and we can continue about this when we get on to my top five but a lot of my songs end up being these kind of styles where it was very, very powerful and inspirational compositions. But with that, what was your honorable mentions, Gray? Thank you, Ken. Uh, yes. Uh, so for my honorable mentions, I'm going to start off with Welcome to This World. And it's off of their first album, Attack. And it is just one of those songs that really just captures you by surprise the hook of it just kind of stays stuck in your head a little bit it's this nice upbeat song and it's not in my top five per se but this is one of my favorite songs that the group does do and i really wanted to highlight it get kind of really give it a showcase uh one of my other honorable mentions is another upbeat fun song and that's get chew it's just you you know if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you'll know I, I love my high energy, fun, get up and go songs. And this is that to a T in, in every way. And I felt remiss if I didn't, you know, give it a special shout out at the end of the show in any manner. So I wanted to definitely put Get You here as it was just one of those absolutely just great songs that AAA did. And my last honorable mention is autumn orange and there's actually several reasons why this is an honorable mention one this was very close to being in my top five and you, you know 
it really could go into my top five. It, you know, it, it, it like my top, like one and two, I've known for a long time, but three, four, and five, they, they've been very flexible for a long time. And one or, you know, a year or so down the road, you know, I could easily inject this in and probably take something out because it's really good. And I really wanted to put a ballad, you know, highlight one of their ballads. None of my top five are ballad songs. So I really wanted to highlight one of their ballads, and I think Autumn Orange is absolutely stunning. It is a gorgeous song from top to bottom. I love just the vocal work in it. It's just this absolutely stunning song. The piano work in that song just really creates like this autumn feel in the air and just really just sticks with you. So so I really wanted to give a shout out to Autumn Orange. I really felt like that is just a stellar song. It's on Gold Symphony. If you really like really go check that out if you want. It is just absolutely fantastic. And with that, that will wrap up our honorable mentions and with the, and we will move into our top five. So Luna, tell us what was your number five song for Triple A? All right, so my number five was Brand New World, which was off their Heartfelt album. And most of you know, I quite enjoyed that album. And this was my favorite track from it. I love the Eurobeat-inspired song This Is. It is a very fast-paced track. And I think all their vocals managed to keep up with the beat of this which is one of the reasons I love it. And there's also a random like little riff right in the middle of the song, which brings this uniqueness to it. The chorus is super catchy. And this one reminds me of an Ayumi song. And I feel like it was inspired by a couple of her songs and just how they start by singing Brand New World in there. It just the sound of their vocals, how the track started pacing from there really gave me that reminiscence of like, a song off I Use Love Appears album. And that's one of the reasons this drew me to it. I also enjoy the rap in here and how they utilize that. I think it fits very well with it. And it just puts me in a good mood. I was feeling down the day I was listening to this album and this album rose me up. And this track really started that off for me and gave me the energy and the beat to keep going and I think that's why it was an energizing feeling song that really pumps you up. So I put it on there for that reason, as if I'm going to be feeling down or I want something to energize me, I'm going to go to Brand New World. It It's a lot of fun. Yeah, Luna. No, it's absolutely a great song to kind of start off with. It's the peak of what this song ended up being was just absolutely amazing. Everyone was firing on all cylinders to match this high energy beat. And it just it gets you lost into its composition. And that's one of the things that if you're going to be trying to do a Eurobeat style track or any kind of dance centric track, that's what you need. You need your vocals to kind of just be engulfed and keep up with the composition that it needs to be. And it just does that beautifully. Yeah, Brand New World is a lot of fun. It's a really fun song. Uh, Hidaki's rap is just fantastic. Or Hida, Hidaka's. H- Hidaka. Yeah, sorry. A.K.A. Sky High. 
Sky High. Thank you. Uh, his rap is absolutely fantastic. That it, that was the highlight for me of the song. I, I felt like his rapping is just mm, the icing on the cake of that song is just so good. And this is a really wonderful song. The, everyone's vocal work really comes together in it. And yeah, it's a fun Eurobeat upbeat number. So it's pretty good. It's, it's a pretty solid song. Ken, what is your number five song? So continuing off your Eurobeat style song, I have a Eurobeat style song. And that is the lovely Champagne Gold. And when you say Eurobeat, this is the type of track that defines the genre for the Japanese industry. And its its composition it just harkens back to the peak of what Eurobeat ended up being to the Japanese during this time and it all the callbacks to like fairly initial d style tracks le- ended up drawing me in with this this track and it does have that high energy composition and it's just simply fan freaking tastic and w- any of these eurobeat songs that we talk about are great but it's it's a great way to kind of just go in and just go all out so to speak Oh yeah, this song really creates a a racing sensation. Is like the thing that I I thought of. It's just like really fast paced music with really fast paced vocals. It like in in my mind, and this is not a jab or dig at the song in any manner, but this is like perfect workout music almost. Like like you know, if like you if you want to go on a jog or a run, this is the kind of song you would put on. Just that high energy really gets you up and moving, and like when you're listening to it, it's really hard to not like, you know, bob your head to it and stuff. This is an absolutely, absolutely fantastic song. So I'm glad you chose Champagne Gold because the you're right. This is what Eurobeat is and it is freaking amazing. It was also one of my favorite tech tracks on all just because of the speed of it, the sound. I mean... They're so good at keeping up with their Eurobeat, and that's what makes it flow. And Champagne Gold shows it perfectly. The composition is fantastic. Hearing how it starts out, and then when it picks up, it just goes, wow. I mean, you're up there dancing like you're in a freaking rave. And I love how that gets you going. It's very energetic, and AAA is great in encompassing this with just their style not just the composition but their vocals put that on point in it as well yeah speak speaking of rave music going on to my number five pick because i i picked a pretty dance heavy number uh I'll, I'll have to defer to the experts i don't know if it's eurobeat inspired or not but my number five pick was flavor of kiss and this is You'll find this on their 15th best album. It was a single. It really wasn't on one of their studio albums. Actually, it was. It was on their 10th original album. It was, hold on. Yeah, there, it was. Oh, uh, their 10th it was anniversary. 10th album. anniversary, but it was an original album. It was not a best album. Thank you. Thank you, Luna. Yeah, uh, so Flavor of Kiss is is a really great song. Would you say it's a Eurobeat song? Mm, yeah i didn't think it was no i don't think so no. okay that's cool like yeah no no it is this is a more the avic style of dance 
songs. Yes. There's like, there's a there's a specific beat that they need to have when if it's going to be qualified as Eurobeat. Gotcha. But this is more more pop and lock style. They're more traditional. Yes, yes. Avex. Yeah. So so Flavor of Kiss is is a really it's a high energy upbeat song. It's got a great piano in it, a great piano work, and just absolutely just a fantastic fun song i remember the first time i heard it it was uh right after this uh the next song that i'm going to be referring to which is also found on the same album uh not planned did not plan that at all but uh that is yeah i had heard that song and it auto-tracked to this one and I just like I love this song from the moment I've heard it. It's just so much fun. I love the the piano opening that it has. I love the do 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 just feel of it. It's so upbeat and fun. And it is just an absolute blast to listen to. It's, it's the kind of song where it's like, you know, when it comes over the radio, you just crank it up, you roll down your windows, and you just let the world know you're jamming. It is just an absolutely fun fantastic song that just really gets you up and moving so i i enjoyed it it was a very funky dance song and it just had this good flavor to it that like you said it gets you up and dancing and i think their vocals work very well with it it was one of the the fun songs on their on their 10th anniversary album and it was very enjoyable. I, it wasn't my favorite song by them. I still think it's a fun, dancey, catchy one now. So, Flavor of Kiss, it's very interesting because, like the lyrics just say, it's a little bitter and sweet. Because the build-up to the chorus, and the chorus itself is one of the best things that they have. And it shows off just their lyrical prowess of how great... Uh, a group and fine tune they ended up becoming and that's one of the one of the good things that really shine throughout this track all right thank you guys so much uh luna all right number four what is your number four pick so my number four is drama which is on their eighth wonder album i love this one and this is one of the first songs i actually heard by them i started listening to them on spotify so it would just pick random tracks drama kept coming up so the first time i heard it, i'm like this is really nice has beautiful vocals and then i listened to it a second time and i fell in love with it i mean you hear i think it's the composition as it is beautifully composed it's like a sweet nice ballad and their vocals match this track perfectly the sweetness the just the composition everything flows so well and it was one of those tracks that i just love to listen to to relax to and take in all its beauty for what it is just everything about it i love it i i cannot say enough about just it, it feels like it would just go well with one of those sweet love story shows you're watching on tv just from the smoothness of it and I, I highly recommend it if you're looking for a nice, relaxing, beautiful ballad that isn't a power ballad, but has just one of those more relaxing ballads, I highly recommend it. 
everyone's vocals are in tune. They all play off each other when they're all singing. And that's one of the things I love is as a group, they all work so well together to show that. What's very interesting about this track that I ended up really loving, because it's, it's a duet for the most part. And it really does show off their vocal skills. And I I fell in love with this song a whole lot more going through it the last time. Right before we ended up kind of going over and reviewing everything. When I listened to Drama, it was something that was just fan-freaking-tastic. And a nice surprise that I was like, how could I miss this the first time around? But... After listening to it and sitting down, it was it it just showed how well oiled a machine they were. Yeah, no, yeah, Ken Ken's right. You know, I, I talked about how much I loved the Eighth Wonder album, and I how I wrote down ten songs. Drama didn't make the list, and I'm kind of kicking myself because the song is just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Misako and Takahiro's vocal work in this is just absolutely gorgeous. It's absolutely fantastic from beginning to end. And yeah, it's a duet. And it really adds to like the closeness that I think this really song like plays off to. Luna's definitely right. You could really definitely inject that into like a rom-com or no, not a rom-com, just a romance. Uh, I don't know if you'd even want the comedy. But it's just this wonderful work and really stunning and it just goes to show like how talented you know you know these two particular individuals are and you know it's just one of absolutely fantastic songs and thank you luna for your number four pick ken what is your number four pick but yeah, continuing on to my number four it was the lovely body talker which good old autocorrect made it baby talker which was just <laughs> amazing to explain to you guys what that song was about <laughs> all around the album that it was attached to was fan freaking tastic red bean saigo no kotoba and hanabi was amazing but good gosh darn it that sax just grabbed me and enticed me and took every fiber of my being to keep listening to this song and it was just amazing i ended up loving it just loving it and that sax you know i just i i came i came off of just playing more combat 11 and the new fatality or the new thing that they had ended up adding was the friendship one and one of my favorite ones from that is jax's one because he pulls out a a saxophone and starts playing the Mortal Kombat theme song via the sax and it was anything with a sax now I just am, am in freaking love so as soon as I heard the song it grabbed me and I was just like yep yep I'm gonna let it go and <laughs> have with so to speak oh yeah no this, this song is absolutely fantastic I, I love I as you guys know I played the saxophone in it for years and so that that instrument just has like the the biggest place in my heart and i i don't care how good or bad the song is if it's got sax in it i will love it and this song is just absolutely fantastic i really really love this song it it kind of makes me lament a little bit because they don't have too many songs in this style and i would have loved to have heard a couple more 
in this particular style. They're really good. They have a good ear for it. Their vocal works really match it well. Like they could really do it. I'm not saying they're that should be every song that they do, but it's exceedingly rare for them to do this kind of jazz style that they did for this song. And it's it's a little sad, but it this song is it makes this song even all the more special because it's just so good. It is absolutely just fantastic in every way. I I love this song. I, I like it a lot more than my number four pick. <laughs> But yeah, it is uh, it is uh, definitely just a fantastic song all around. So Body Talker was interesting. That was one that stood out to me the most because of the saxophone. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, I like where this is going because this is something a lot of artists don't use that often. You don't see many use a sax. And as the song goes on, I mean, just they bring in it sounded like some trumpets as well and I freaking loved it. It was very unique and stood out. The composition, their vocal work, I think that's what made the track. The uniqueness of it. And it's memorable. And you want a memorable track, and that sax makes it memorable. Makes them stand out, showing, hey, we can do something different. And I love it. All right. Thank you, Ken, for your number four pick. Uh, Moving on to my number four pick. You know, AAA has contributed uh, to a lot of anime over the years, so it would be kind of remiss if in our top five there wasn't an anime song. So I, I jumped on that grenade, and I picked the song Asha no Hikari, which is the second opening for World Trigger. And uh, if you've been listening to the podcast of late, you know, at the end of the show, I've been talking about how much I've been really digging World Trigger. It was just uh, a w- wonderful surprise of an anime. And... You know, I had no idea that they did the second opening for that. And so when I was watching the show and it ca- it came on, I was I just got so sucked in and intrigued by the opening because it's a shonen anime and they tend to have like more upbeat high energy songs and this song is kind of different. It's a little bit more in a serious tone and uh, but the vocal work in it is absolutely wonderful. The musical accompaniment that is behind it, I think, is is really superb in every way. The rap at the end of the song just really ties the song together like this wonderful bow. And it all just comes together so wonderfully. And it really, really stood out to me uh, just uh, how great this song was. And I was um, I was kind of surprised. like I, I just now only heard it. And uh, I just absolutely loved it. I, I've listened to this song, I can't tell you how many times, on repeat, just, you know, day in, day out. I just absolutely have fallen in love with the song. It, it's, it is definitely uh, an eye-opener when, you know, you're watching the show. And I I really loved the song. So, for Ashita no Hikari, I... I liked it better than Flavor of Kiss, actually, and out of their their 10th anniversary original album, it was probably one of my favorites. I thought it was a great upbeat song, and being honest, I did not realize it was used for an anime, but I totally got that vibe with the track, just how it sounds and everything, but it had super smooth vocals to it, and I think everything flowed very well. 
And that's what they're good at doing is they're great at working as a group and making their tracks and composition flow together to be the to be unanimous. And I love that about them. And this one, it really shows. For for me, I really did like Flavor of Kiss more. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> leading up from a- Asha no Hikari to Flavor of Kiss, it, it showed it, for for me at least it showed a little bit of an improvement. But it it was amazing the the rap and the build for the song and its entire arc was just well rounded and it showed a lot of what this group had had overcame when they first started and it was a great introduction i would use this as an introduction and then it would lead into flavor kiss which is more in my my opinion a much more well well to be fair i struggled i struggled with the order i didn't know if i should do flavor kiss as my five or asha no hikari as my like like i i waffled on that order quite a lot and i that i just ultimately settled the way that i did but it, it could it could turn at the dime of a hat really Thank you, thank you very much, bud. All right, Luna, what was your number three song? So my number three was Makanai Makanai Kokoro, which was on Buzz Communication. So I I kept moving this one up. It started a little bit lower, and it kept moving up because the more I heard it, I fell in love with this track. And the first time I heard it, I already was caught into it, but I didn't realize how enjoyable this was until I kept coming back to this over and over and over. I think it's just the powerful vocals at the beginning when they start singing, and I can't even do it. And just how the composition and it flows, you feel the power from that first moment of it. And then it just goes right into this amazing upbeat composition, which is Eurobeat inspired. And I fell in love with it. And the music video, their dancing is phenomenal. I finally got to watch the music video and I was very ecstatic. And I I just can't say enough about how fun this was. And I have a feeling this is going to be moving up over time in my top five. And I think Chiaki and Misako, uh, Misako, just how their vocals together mesh so well when they're singing and going back and forth. I love that because I couldn't really tell between the two besides a slight bit who was who. And I thought that was a great feeling for them because they can play off each other's voices so easily. I also like once they're, you hear all the great vocals between Mis- uh, Chiaki and Misako and then it goes in all this high energy and then it slows down a little bit and you hear Hidaka aka Sky High's rap and then it moves back up and jumps back up into that great upbeat sound again and I love that composition wise everything they did with those was just perfect and I I cannot say enough about how much I love this and I could listen to this one on repeat constantly yeah no this is also another one of their great songs where it just ends up showing how well oiled a machine they ended up becoming after they got used to what their vocal styles was and just the powerfulness and intensity that the vocals end up showing was one thing that you can never forget if you if you're listening to this you're just overwhelmed by how immensely powerful their vocals are 
at the beginning of this. And it's something that that you cannot beat with some certain in certain songs and it just shows off just how amazing they ended up becoming after after all these years. Oh yeah, I, I think this song actually also is like one of the like when it's you can compare and contrast almost like it shows like how important Chiaki is to that group in, in a in a lot of ways just because of how pivotal Misako and Chiaki's ability to play off of each other is and it really shines through in this song and it's just you know those those two are a the one-two punch that this song just really delivers is really great powerful vocals is through and through and sky high's rap is just fan fantastic it really just that boy can rap and it shows i i feel bad because i i praise his rap in every song that it comes up and i've never actually checked out his solo work so that's something i really need to correct sometime in the near future but getting back to this song it is it is so wonderfully good and just absolutely absolutely fantastic all right ken what was your number three pick so my third pick it 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 was really difficult to order these these three because on a whim all three of them could change at the order because just how emotionally powerful every one of these songs and if today if you had to say what was my number three it it is going to be Aitai Ryu and just it it, it starts with a presence that grabs you from the get go and it, it just doesn't let go and that's one thing that I took for granted with them, with a lot of their other songs, because you can see this that they do this very much so with a lot of their songs, but not so much at the later halves with the other ones. And I, I wish that they could do that with a lot of the other songs where this presence that they have, it's it's the same with Luna's Luna's number three. It just it, it grabs you. It and I tell you shows that very much so just how everything just works the impressive composition and just how everything needs to fit perfectly it does that to a t yeah no this song i i think this song is almost the definition of the word powerful in every way between the vocals the music work done in it this song is gripping because like I said, like you know, I was busy working on something when the song came on. I had to completely stop. There, like, there are not many songs that we've talked about today that I've had to do that, and I had to do that with the song. Like, I had to take it in. You know, like the moment it came on, like it just sucked me in, and I just could not get enough of it. It is a fan, fantastic song. I absolutely love and adore this song and i really would love to actually go back and watch like their like see them do it at the kohaku i think that would be like really cool i'm certain there's a youtube video of it but i i have not had time to do that 
but this this song is absolutely just amazing and it's just really really good and it, it really shows like like how talented they they truly are it is just absolutely stunning so i i agree aitai you actually i considered making it my top five but i did i had it as an honorable mention i did remove it though since i knew we were going to talk about it it is a powerfully gripping ballad and it moves you and it makes you feel all these emotions. And like Grace said, you know, you stop what you're doing. I remember when I heard this one and I stopped what I was doing. One, to see what the track was so I could add it to my library. Two, I I wanted to sit there and think about it and how I felt about it. It made me stop and think. And a lot of the Buzz Communication album did that in general. But this one stood out ballad-wise. I mean, it was something that gripped you, sucked you in just the how beautiful it was the composition everyone's vocals how it flowed together as a whole and how they encompassed what their feelings into that song was just amazing so i cannot say enough about how great this track is and i highly recommend everyone checking this one out all right thank you ken for your number three pick Moving on to my number three pick, and I, I really went with um, a guilty pleasure for this one. This is a song that I've heard is relatively recently, but the moment I heard it, I knew it'd be in my top five. And the more I hear it, just the higher it goes up. I I love this song. This song is everything I love about music in a lot of ways. So this song is Voice of Love or V O L, which is off their Golden Symphony album. And I love this song. It is so much fun. And my favorite type of song is the upbeat, cheesy romance song. And this is every, everything in it. It is fun. It's upbeat. It's so catchy. It's so cheesy. And I just absolutely eat it up every time I hear it. And they, it's, it is just an absolute blast to listen to and it's like half the time we've been recording the show i just had that song stuck in my head and it'll it'll be the first song i listen to when we leave here today because i love i just absolutely fallen in love with this song in every way i love it so much and i just cannot recommend it enough especially if you like cheesy upbeat love songs this is the song like they just like get you is kind of like that in the same family as this song but this song is just done so much better it, they have the years of experience, the fine-tuned machine that they've just turned into, and they have cranked this song up to 11, and it is just an absolute blast to listen to. All right, so I love Voice of Love, and I know what you mean by guilty pleasure because that's how I feel about it as well. It is just a really fun track, and I have it stuck in my head right now because as soon as you started talking about it, that chorus started playing right in my head and I started bopping along in my own little mind right there. And that's what it does to you. It's one that really sticks with you and it's a fun, happy track that you just either want to wave your hands to, you want to bounce with. It's a good combination between the 
composition and also how they utilize their vocals in a track and how it blends it's this is one that i enjoyed off gold symphony a lot and one of the reasons why i think the, that album was so solid is it had so many great tracks and voice of love was one of the big ones on there so voice of love <laughs> It's going to be an interesting one. <laughs> it's going to be short and sweet for me because of the style of music it is. But, you know, it's a booping hit, like how you were saying, Luna. And it seems like just everyone's there to have a great time. And you can tell by this song. And I, personally, it's it's not for me. But it's it's a song that everyone can get on board with and just end up loving in their each individual way. And that's... That's the power of what music is, right? So, amen to that. <laughs> amen to that. All right, Luna, what was your number two song? Go ahead and take it away. So, my number two track is Deja Vu from their Color of Life album. And I don't know what it was about this song, but I stopped what I was doing because the beat got stuck in my head. And not to mention, as halfway through, I heard it the first time, I got a phone call and I was really mad because someone interrupted the song. (laughs) So then I played it again and started from the beginning so I could take it all in. I think the reason I enjoy it so much is it's a fun, catchy dance song. And I literally love it for that reason. It has a... And this is one of the first songs without Chiaki. So for me, I... I wasn't sure when I was going into this, you know, a couple of their other tracks. I was very iffy on this album, but I heard Deja Vu and I got put in this great mood. I wanted to get up and dance to it. And the chorus just hooked me in and I have had it stuck in my head for a couple weeks now. And I just want to get up and do the dance like they do in the music video because I was always watching and I'm like, I can do this. And this fits perfectly with the chorus. And also Sky High's rapidness is just on freaking point everyone's vocals flow so well in this track and just seeing how they all come together in it and do their best without Chiaki present I think they did a fantastic job with this and I could easily switch this with Makanae Kokoro the reason Deja Vu made two is I really cannot get it out of my head because of the catchiness of it and it just makes me feel good. It's a fun song, and you can tell they were having fun while doing it. And that's one of the reasons I love it so much. Now, when I first heard the song, I, preference, I, I heard it in reverse. Like I said, I went from their latest to their, their first when I first heard this. And I was, when I heard this, I initially thought, I was like, yeah, this is modern Avex, and... I already know what I was going to get into when listening to this. And I'm like, yeah, a lot of it is very, very solid. I ended up really liking it. The chorus is just fan-freaking-tastic. But the act without Chiaquito really, really made me sour after <laughs> re-listening to it. And I was ended up being really sad. But the chorus just grabs you. It, it's something that... It, it shows that even without the member, they are able to show that we can do this without without Ito and we can still continue with this and this ended up being one of my favorite songs when initially I heard it because I was just like this is modern avex and I, not not to say that I don't like modern avex but a lot of it is very 
in in my point of view, it's it's I can tell what the record label is going to do and what is produced by them specifically, and I ended up really liking it because I was just like, oh yeah, it's an Avix modern song. I I'll eat this up like spaghetti. It's it's something that you can sit down to and just eat up. But regardless, it's a solid track and its chorus just grabs you and it's it just shows you that they they no matter what even without certain members we are what we are we are triple a and this was the kick down the door that it needed to have been when it started off the album yeah no i i agree with ken deja vu is one of the best ways to really just start off that last album because you know they really needed to show like hey we're still here we're still us and just because we're down a member doesn't mean we're going down at all and I think I think Deja Vu does that, and it does it exceedingly well. And, it, you know, there's a lot of bittersweet feelings about the last album, but one thing that you can definitely walk out saying is Deja Vu is an absolutely fantastic song. It is catchy as hell. Sky High's rap is just on point because he's refined that over the years of experience. It is just an absolute blast to listen to and it is definitely definitely just one of their absolute aces that they have and is really good really good song thank you luna for your number two what is your number two ken so it's very very difficult because like i said with i tell you all three of these songs of my top three could be replaced like if you were to ask me two days ago what was my number two song it would have been my number one because i ended up really really liking my this track and it's koi oto to amasora and you say ballads and something that relies on a vocalist's strength this shows it to a T. It's soft composition with just amazingly powerful vocals. Just shows what what this song ends up being of what you want with this group. And this is one of the things that I ended up loving from the group that I never did notice when I gone through them before because originally when I when I heard of AAA, I always thought of oh yeah it's Climax Jump Group. I they're S Club Seven. They're pretty much S Club Seven where they're they they're very dancey and all that. I I wrote them off like that. But through doing this I ended up finding a lot of songs that I ended up just loving that changed my perspective on what this group was. And Koyoto Amazora is one of those songs. Now, there's two versions. There's this and the acoustic version. I do like the original version better because it just has that elegant composition that brings everything that I love with this group together. And it's just simply amazing. Yeah, this song is amazing and this of all the songs that we talked about i think this is like the hardest one to talk about not because it's bad but because it's so good it's almost an experience almost when you listen to it and it's really just hard 
I I was really struggling to find the words to really put into it. And I really just want to encourage everyone to just go out and listen to the song themselves because it is, it is so good. It's so wonderful. Just, you know, but this is them at their absolute apex in a lot of ways. They're just on point in every way. The vocal work, the music behind it all. It just like I, I there's just no good way to sell this song like you have to hear it for yourself and it is just an stunningly amazing song and definitely definitely just an absolute knockout that they did with this it was just an awesome awesome track through and through so I agree. This is an absolutely beautiful track, and I I have a weird relationship with this track, because this was also one of the first ones I heard by them, and it was mainly because of Spotify. I loved it when I initially heard it. I mean, it moved me. The vocals, everything about it was amazing. But then Spotify played it after every song. It'd play one, then it would play this one. Then it would play another track. Then it would go back to Koi, sorry, Koito Amazora, and it keep going back to that same same one. So after a while, I'm like, I've heard this. I love it. Spotify, please stop. No, you don't love it enough. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's what it kept doing, and it just kept throwing it in my face. I'm like, it, it, it I already love it. It kept beating you over the head with it. <laughs> it was beating me over the head to it. I think I heard it like eight times within two hours, and at that point, I was like, it became ever, and I'd restart Spotify, and then I'd be the first one it came up, and I'd be like, oh, I already heard this. I need to hear something new because I already love this one. So that's the only reason it didn't make my list is because Spotify threw it in my freaking face. <laughs> Just but, bite over <laughs> how much it got beat over the head. That's funny. But, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's the thing with Spotify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spotify, you have really no control over the... Over what, what it plays. Can, yeah. And I, I already favored it, and it is a suggested one, and I agree with it. Spotify suggestion. I would recommend playing it for anyone to get into AAA because this is a good starting point. It is a song that will pull you in and you will love it. Then it starts beating you with a dead horse. But it's still solid. I still love it. And I love everything about it. And I'm so glad it made your top five so we could talk about it as it being an early one I heard. I automatically fell in love with it and made me enjoy the group so much more. And dive into before they started going this style and I liked seeing all that progress and starting with this one was a great way to see all the different styles they have and I still love all right thank you Ken for that okay so for my number two uh I went with the song that really turned me on to AAA. So the first song that I ever heard by them, because everybody knows if you watch, listen to the show, I loved LOL. And Ken was like, you should listen to AAA. They are the same. And I would be like, oh, I'll get around to it. And I heard, and so like in that time, they came out with Egal No Loop. 
and that was a decent song. I, I did enjoy it, but I didn't feel compelled to go back and listen to their older stuff. And then uh, Bad Love kind of dropped, and that was really like the the turning point for me. And I was like, okay, now I do have to go back and listen to their old music. And it, it's a weird time to do that, especially because, you know, that was, you know, the first song that they did without Nalia and, you know, it, it is a lot different than most of what their uh, discography would suggest, but it is an absolutely just fantastic song. It's so catchy and it's it's just it goes in a different direction than what they typically do it's just gets stuck in your head i love the uno dos trace count that they do in it it's just it's just like one of those songs that when i hear it i'm just like in in my mind i'm like okay this is dance club music and i like i absolutely love it it's just absolutely just one of my absolute favorite songs that they do I just get like these random like sensations where I have to listen to it sometimes. Like I'll just be driving down the road and I'm like, okay, I need to hear bad love now for some reason. I don't know why it, it just gets in your head and it sticks with you. And I do, this song does prove that they do have a future without Nalia. They, they were able to cook out just an absolutely stunning single and you know they were able to do it without their leader of 15 years and i i do think there's a future for them now it's up to them if they decide they still want to continue to work together but you know this gives you that window that they could easily do something together without him and i i just think it shows through and through and it's just an absolutely absolutely fantastic song and i love it to death Oh, so I totally agree with you on Bad Love. It is fantastic, and even without Nalia, they still knocked it out of the park and show that they still got it, they can still do it, and it is a fun dance track, and this was also one of the early ones I heard by them, and it pulled me in. I mean, it made me want to get up and dance. I was working on a puzzle at the time when I was listening to it, so it gave me the energy to finish that because that was one of the hardest puzzles I've ever done. And I was sitting there kind of dancing on the floor where I was trying to put pieces in. And I I, I just, the encompassing, the, 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 I cannot talk today. Just everything it encompasses was so much fun. The composition was great. They showed their vocals was, were fantastic as always. And I, I would like to see them do, see what else they would do after this, if they'd keep a bad love style or not. But I think they can do something with this style. And re-listening to it earlier this week, I still love it. And it still puts me in a great mood. It's a fun dance track. And I, I kind of want more by them. But right now, I'm just going to continue to follow their solo works. But it was a good way to go out on. So Bad Love was a great way to end it for now. Now, I had some trepidations listening to this song. <laughs> Because it it it's very it's very lol like <laughs> um, the yeah I can see the that. the ah uh, aha uh, uh, part I did not need honestly if they just took away that part I could like honestly honestly really really enjoy this song but regardless 
this was a great kickoff to show that we can do it. And it is a very different style than what I originally did like about AAA, but that's a new chapter for a new style of what they got to do. They need to identify themselves that, you know, even without another member, they are still AAA and they will continue on if they decide to continue on after this, that we can do it. It's very interesting to see the very tonal shift that they ended up doing over the years. Like l- listening to these these this group over the years now, by seeing how all their albums change, it's very interesting to see how their style changed, and that's great. Honestly, I need a I need an artist to evolve over time, but we'll see. We'll see. This was a great representation of what what they need to do and what they need to break out with and yeah i mean the the aha part i just i just can't with that but after you get rid of that they they stop singing in that half at the end of the half of the song and i just ended up really liking that part that that's the only like hiccup i had with this particular song (laughs) i love the ahas too Uh (laughs) aha Oh, they hook you in there. Okay, so the the moment we you guys have all been waiting for this is our number one picks for uh, AAA, and because this is so special, what we'll what we're gonna do is before after you hear us talk about, it, there'll be a minute long sample of the song for you to enjoy. And it'll be interspliced, so uh, you get to hear a little bit about what we're talking about. So, by all means, Luna, you have uh, your up deck first. What was your number one pick for AAA? So, my number one pick was Kazeni Kaoru Natsuno Kyoku from Gold Symphony. As soon as I heard this song, I fell in love with it. And I don't know if it was because it's summer now and it it's a summer song. It has that vibe to it. It is a really cute, sweet track and I just can't get enough of it. And as soon as I heard them start singing at the beginning, which is Kaze ni kaoru, natsu, natsu no kiyoku. As soon as I heard that, I was hooked and I can't sing. So I apologize for you guys hearing my horrible voice, but... I, I just could not get enough of it. It just put me in this great, peaceful, relaxed mood. And just everything about it, their vocals, how Chiaki and Misako work together in that and they play off each other in that as well. And just how everyone encompasses it in that song. I think everyone put in so much into this and it made me fall in love with it. And I've had it almost on repeat this entire week. I've listened to it almost every day. And it just has this good feeling to it. And I don't really know how to describe it. But, you know, there's sometimes you hear something and it just really makes you feel something. And you connect with it. I connected with Kaze ni Kaoru Natsu no Kyoku. And it just played in my mind over and over. And it's been like that. I just... I just start singing in my head and I just get these beautiful feelings of, you know, sitting out in that nice summer breeze, relaxing, 
on a beautiful day looking up at the sky, maybe jumping in the lake, stuff like that. It just gives you these good feelings, these good vibes. And that's what we need right now with everything going on. So I think for me, that's why it made me feel so good. It's just a, and it encompasses just what they are and doing what they do with their composition, their vocals, and it's just amazing. I, I cannot say enough of how much I love this one. Yeah, so this was also one of the originally in my top five because just how it has with its chilling vocals and just shows off their vocal prowess and it it shows with this elegant composition that they have that they're just firing on all cylinders and it's something that i'm so happy that you ended up picking this song luna because i really wanted to talk about it just because of how elegant it ended up being to what i wanted to listen to because i this this is an instant what AAA was to me just powerful vocals with inspirational compositions just firing at all cylinders oh yeah no this song is absolutely superb and it is a summer song it definitely has a summer song vibe and feel to it but it is a slower song, so it's a little different than your traditional summer song because, you know, you think about, you know, like that laid back feeling or something like that. And there is certainly a laid back feeling to the song, but typically summer songs tend to be just a little bit more upbeat than what the song is. But it's still really done really well. It's an absolutely gorgeous composition, great vocal work, and fantastic, fantastic song, and definitely, definitely amazing. Ken, what was your number one song for AAA? So, you can hear that there was an obviously a glaring admission when we kind of went through our songs here. Especially when me and you were talking about it earlier. And as of right now, like I said, all three songs that I've chosen could be number one at any given point. But as of today, this is the first song that I found out about AAA. And it is Climax Jump by them doing the Deno form. Now, you think of an upbeat dance song, you just instantly think of this immediately they take a listener on a time slip of a good time and its lyrics are very inspirational if you just break it down because it tells the the listener to just keep going and to never give up 
no matter what and especially as of right now in the times that we're living in that's very very important and just the message of the overall with this song just touched me very much so even more so when i had first listened to it and i i always sing this song when i go to karaoke and it's just that tells you how much i i am in love with this song it's it fires it fires on everything it it chugs like a train and just plows right through you literally oh oh this song is absolutely amazing and you know it was in my top five for a while but you know i want i didn't want to really steal your thunder of this so i kind of demurred a little bit but you know i'm gonna i get to talk about it which is the most important thing and this song is it, it is absolutely fantastic and it is timeless it, it, it is truly a timeless number you know it came out in 2007 you wouldn't guess it it's just such a great song i love the little opening like little like train tracky stuff that they have going on there that little clacking that they have just to like give it that train feel to it and you know it it really feels like you're climbing on board to go get ready to go for a journey and you know deno is just it's a big season it really means a lot to a lot of the common writer community and this song means a lot to a lot of the common writer community and you know it's just one of those songs that it just really pulls you along and it's so catchy it really gets in your head and you know you'll you'll be singing it without even thinking about it and it just really takes you and definitely lets you go on a ride i I meant to mention this earlier but i kind of forgot uh i did want to mention it only uh if you are if if you know anything about common rider you know that there's the four taros characters and we were talking about them earlier they did do a version of this song and i do think that's worth checking out because it is different it's a little different and it's very interesting but i don't want to take away the spotlight from triple a so that's all i'm going to mention about that and it is just an absolutely fantastic song through and through this is early triple a at their best and it is it is one of the reasons why they were just able to propel in into the stratosphere that they were able to and this is just an absolutely fantastic wonderful song so i i love it um and this is one i initially missed because it was on a best album it was actually and it was a single so it was not on any of their studio albums which i dived into way more and i'm sad i only found out about it this week because it is fantastic i mean just the just what the words of that means and pretty much telling you to keep going so i'm not a common writer i've never watched common writer anything so for for me listening to it without having any affiliation with that i enjoyed it so much not just the composition the lyrics the vocals everything about it just makes for a perfect track and it is one that just gives you a lot of hope and keeps you going when you're down and that composition fits with it as it it shows and i i added this to my list of you know 
honorable mentions, but I deleted it when I saw Ken had it on here, so I'm glad I got a chance to talk about it. But I highly recommend everyone checking it out, even if you haven't seen Common Rider and you might not get the train tracks at the beginning, what that meant, which I didn't until you guys started talking about how that one involved trains, then I kind of put two and two together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it's it's fantastic. And I wish if this would have been included on an album. However, it's not. But I recommend you guys checking it out. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm so glad you picked this one. Yeah, it it, it actually kind of behooves me that they did not stick this on an album. Like, it's on their Attack All Around album. And it's not even on their 15th best anniversary album. So, like, if you want to listen to this through them, you can listen to the... You can get uh, Attack All Around or you can get the 20th anniversary common writer collection it's on that cd as well so it, it is it's a little harder to track down unfortunately but it, it is oh my god it's so good and and to be fair i i don't i think you could be a non-common writer fan and still find enjoyment in deno it, it's just one of those seasons like it, it appeals to just about everybody so uh, but yes thank you ken for your number one pick that was that I love talking about the climax jump, and uh, I could talk about it even more. on to my number one pick i i knew when we started this what my number one song was going to be because this song is absolute in my mind is absolutely fantastic it's the one song that they wrote two sequels to and like just like the original song i love the two sequels i think they're great songs but the original in my humble opinion is the absolute best and that is di no cheek Chikara. This song is absolutely fantastic. It was on their Attack album and it is just so good in so many ways. I love the violin opening of this song. It just really sets the mood and the tone of it. It, it almost feels a little bit sophisticated in a weird way. Like I, I feel like like when I'm listening to it, like I'm listening to fancy music because it's got violins in it. <laughs> and so it's just this really nice, really good song. And they do this thing in the in the song where they they like like they finish each other's sentences and it sounds so good when you hear it. It just really hooks you in. And just the vocal work on here, even though it's their first album, they have they're not the fine-tuned machine yet. Like you hear like that vocal work going and it's just so good 
and you're just sitting there and you're like, oh yes, that that's that is it. I remembered like when I was studying the album for review, like this was the first song I always listened to. It was like I've got to hear Diano Chi Cara first because this is my absolute favorite song on the album. It just absolutely outshines everything else on this album in, in my opinion and it's just like absolutely just one of their best songs that they've ever done and it's just like it it has such a unique sound to it that we've talked about so many songs today and then the moment i talk about di no chikara like that the like i can hear this song in my head and it just sounds so wonderful and beautiful and it is just the crown of the jewel that is the first album and i this is my favorite song that they do and like they have a lot of great songs but this still is just it is still just one of my absolute absolute favorite songs so Dea no Chikara is gorgeous. Like you said, the violins in it are beautiful and just everyone's vocals, the composition. It is one of the most memorable songs on Attack and one that stood out to me the mo- one of the most as I was very iffy on that album. You know, like individual tracks pulling them out I loved. And this was one of the first ones that stood out that I had to stop what I was doing and really listen to it and take everything in. So I'm, I'm glad you included it on here. It didn't make my top five, but it is absolutely fantastic. It's standout. I, I love it. And just hearing them and this being one of their early ones and hearing the style and what they were doing back then with their experimental, this just works so well. And out of all... I don't know if this is all my favorites out of the De No Chikaras because I love number three and I like that they all were different and they showed these different versions of it and I think this was an excellent way to start it out. And I do wish if they do a fourth one eventually because that would be very interesting. It would be interesting, but... especially now that they're down uh, three members from the time that they released this first one. So, cause yep. yeah, cause, cause this was, uh, when they were eight and now they're five. So it'd be very interesting to see what they do for that, for that, for that third time. To see like a 2020 take on it would be very interesting too. So, I mean, it's fantastic and I highly recommend everyone checking this one out too. So, for D.I. No Chicana number one, this is one of my favorite songs from this album and it pretty much shows what the essence that the group ended up becoming. And this is very, very evident from this from this track. And it was something that I fell in love with the first time I've, I heard of it. Because I wasn't really sold on Attack <laughs> originally. Because of just how... I mean, like I said, it's a great solid album that is showing experiments of what they want. They're throwing stuff on the wall to see what sticks. And this was one of the songs that you, after hearing everything from their most recent stuff to their, their, their previous stuff, you hear, you heard this and I was like, ah, this is the seed that they ended up 
pretty much sprouting all their musical talents from after all and that's one of the things that i ended up liking because i just it, it brought back all those feelings of what i thought the group ended up becoming after the first three or so albums so thank you for talking about this because it was very very nice to listen to Diana Chicara and mention something from their first album overall <laughs> Special for the Triple A Artist Spotlight. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It has been a, a wonderful pleasure to come and do this. And, you know, I'm always thankful and grateful for the opportunity uh, that you guys give us to be able to sit down and talk about this stuff. Uh, if you have a favorite triple a song that we did not mention we would love to hear about it so if you're listening to this on soundcloud or off the site please put a comment in the in the thing so we can hear what your thoughts and opinions are and also if you really like this uh please let us know we would love to do more of these uh we have another one planned that is going to come near the end of the year and we will talk more about that when we get closer to it so i just want to thank you guys and as per usual you know this is only on this will only be on soundcloud and through the podcast services so this is a very special treat for our vi our audio listeners only so if you are a youtube person and you're checking this out we thank you we hope you enjoyed it and we will be promoting the hell out of this on the regular show. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Ken, uh, if you would please uh, cover our affiliates and close us out, that would be fantastic. Thank you. But yeah, you, I want to say thank you for taking the hosting duties for this episode, as this was a monumental task I already know to do. So first of all, you can check out all of our usual social media stuff at Ongakudu. You can find us at Ongakudu on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the site at Ongakudu.com. You can find all three of our affiliates. Karyu Hunter, he is a Twitch streamer who is going through all the lovely horror games and currently going through the lovely Clock Tower series as a speedrun fan as he is as of late you can check him out at twitch.tv slash kyouhunter k-y-o-r-y-u-h-u-n-t-e-r you can also find our other affiliate timbertaf who's a twitch streamer in his own right he just went through vocal surgery so keep him in your thoughts please because 
I'm going to go crazy going to talk about Potosaurus for the next month or so with only Lou and possibly Fangirl, but you can check him out at twitch.tv slash TimberTaft, T-I-M-B-R-T-A-F-T. You can also follow our other affiliate, Rose, who is your sister, Luna, and she is going through all the lovely monster hunters, the runescapes, and going through a little bit of art drawing herself on the Twitch. And you can find her at twitch.tv slash rainstarkitty, R-A-I-N-S-T-A-R-K-I-T-T-Y. You can also follow the lovely podcast that I do with Kyo and Timber called Potosaurus. This week's episode is a very special one as we have a guest, Fangirl Has No Name, who I just love and adore. Have it on because it's another female that I get to talk to besides those two bobos. And you can find it. At Koryu Hunter, just look it up at all the podcast services. You can find it there. But yeah, once again, you can find me at Twitter at OTYCan1. Where can we find you, Luna? You can find me on Twitter, my anime list, my anime planet, at, and Letterboxd at Lunamaria87. And you can find me on Instagram at NerdyCollectorLuna. And where can we find you, Gray? You can find me on Twitter at Ongaku Gray, where I tweet about what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, all that fun jazz, so stay tuned. Yes, yes, yes. And once again, I want to say thank you so very much for listening to our artist spotlight on the lovely group that is AAA. Mm, I want to say thank you so much, and you guys take care. Aloha. This is Luna saying thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed our special episode on AAA. Ja matane. And this is great. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we will see you guys on the regular show next time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.